So over these next couple of weeks, we're hearing from the letter of St. James. Now, I don't know if you've read the whole of the letter of St. James. I strongly suggest you do. Compared to St. Paul, we're very familiar with Paul's letters. Paul's occasionally a bit blunt, but he's often very pastoral. Whereas James is a bit like a bulldozer, just driving straight through the church. It's a little bit like someone walking into a crowded room and trying to start a fight with everybody. Because he just cuts straight to the point and says, look, whatever you're doing is probably wrong. Let's get back to the heart of the gospel. And really, we've had a classic example tonight where he's talking about faith. Where in effect he's saying, look, I don't care whether you know the commandments off by heart I don't, know where, I don't really care whether you got first prize in religion class when you are at school. I don't even care whether you go to church. If you don't actively live your faith, if that faith is not changing the way you live, it means nothing. Now that can seem kind of scandalous, but he's, he's actually he's writing to a church here. He's writing to people who faithfully go to church, faithfully pray, and yet he's challenging them saying... If this is not an act of reality in your life, if this is not changing the way that you live, the way you engage with every relationship, you've missed the point. Now, he's talking to us here. Yeah, so at this point, I think whenever you read the letter of James, everybody's meant to feel uncomfortable. You know, what actually is this idea of faith, I think, is the real question here. I kind of think, sadly, the church has confused faith with knowledge. And for a long time, we've had this idea that as long as you know about the teachings of the church, that's enough. If you know the commandments, if you know the catechism, if you know the teachings of the church, if you know what the latest encyclical was all about, that somehow knowing is enough. And really, like a lot of our Catholic school system is based on this idea that we're going to teach you everything you need to know and hope that somehow that will save you. But James is trying to hit on something much deeper here. If your faith does not become a living reality, then really it's meaningless. It means nothing at all. And I think as a church, we need to really stand accused by the rest of the world on this. You know, we're very familiar that our world loves to criticise Christians, and particularly Catholics, for all the grand things, you know, we've got too much money, too much power, too much artwork in the Vatican, all this, all that, whatever. All these accusations against the church, which we rationalise and justify and dodge and weave to get around, but maybe they're actually quite prophetic in their accusations. That when they look at us, they expect that we would actually live what we speak. They look at us almost hoping, desperately desiring that we would be different. And the accusation is the fact that we're not. For all that we preach about, for all the homilies that go on all around the world every Sunday, the rest of the world is longing for more from us. So what actually is the guts of this faith? What are we actually talking about? 
Is this simply about being good? Is this simply faith in the commandments, faith in the doctrines? You know, we, we see this in, in the gospel where Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter for once gets the answer correct and says, you are the son of God, you're the Messiah. He knows the right thing, but he doesn't understand what he's talking about. Because straight away he starts to remonstrate with Jesus saying, don't go to the cross. You know, this is all of us. We know the teachings of the church. If we were to stand up here and start asking questions, you would all give the right answer. But faith is the next step. Faith is the point where we start to understand the implications of that. And once again, it comes back to this question, what actually do we have faith in? If you go back to the earliest writings of the church, the early church fathers, they were very clear. The one element of faith which sets you apart as being a Christian is that you believe in the resurrection. Anyone can believe in the existence of Jesus. Anyone can believe in the existence of God. But it takes faith to believe in the resurrection. And this is the faith that transforms you. See, once again, your head could be filled with all sorts of theology. You could know every single doctrine of the church and it probably won't do a thing to you. The resurrection, however, changes everything. And even when we read the gospel here, this is what Jesus is getting at, where he says, those who try and save their life will lose it, those who lose their life for my sake will save it. He's pointing us to the fact that there is something fundamentally different now. As he prophesies here, because he will die, but then he will rise from the dead. What our faith is in is fundamentally in a love that is stronger than death. Now I want you to try and ponder this when you leave the church here. Try not to forget this. Our world is, is gripped by what they, they kind of term FOMO, fear of missing out. It's kind of one of these things that young people particularly are becoming terribly anxious about. They, they reckon there's this you know, chronic epidemic of young people never sleeping because they're worried that someone's going to send them a text message and they'll miss out because they're asleep. But all of us, all of us are afflicted by this. Whether we're conscious of it or not, all of us look around the world and we see the beautiful things of our world because it is a stunningly beautiful world. Particularly because we live in a generation where we can do anything. You know, in previous generations, you may have had maybe two or three life options, whereas now you have billions. You could literally do anything you want to the point where you now feel paralysed by choice. And there is this deep anxiety that I'm going to miss out. If I actually set myself on one path, I'm going to miss out on every other path. So this is why I need to change my career every three years and start back again at university, just in case I miss out on the perfect life. Fundamentally, that's, I think, what lies at the heart of our fear of death. You know, every, most people will say, oh, I'm not afraid of death but you are desperately afraid of missing out. 
And this is why we don't want to die when we're young. This is why we want, to, we want to live a long and fruitful life because we want to suck as much joy out of life as we can before we have to leave. In that context, the resurrection changes everything. Because what Christ is trying to say to us is that there is a love which transcends death. There is a love which is stronger than death. To the point where you live forever. You cannot die. Yes, your body will perish, but you are eternal. That belief, that understanding is what transforms an ordinary person into becoming a Christian. There's a lot of people who call themselves Christians who don't believe in the resurrection. Once again, I dare say, if you went back to the early church, they would say, yeah, you're not a Christian. You're a believer in the good moral teaching of Jesus Christ. But to be a Christian is to know the risen Christ, to know the power of his resurrection, as St. Paul says. To live in that hope, to live in that absolute faith of the fact that I can now spend my life recklessly I can throw my life away for the sake of love because love is stronger than death. I do not miss out. That's the transforming moment. That's the point where you start to find people making completely reckless decisions. This is where your good, sensible Catholic starts to realise that they need to spend the rest of their life working for other people. Yeah, this is where the person living a nice, comfortable, financial, secure life starts to say, well, I've got to give. You know, the resurrection becomes this compelling motive where you, you don't want to cling on to things anymore. When you're living out of this fear of missing out, you desperately are grasping, trying to make sure that you've got enough. Always worried that you're going to miss out, you've got to run out. So even when we are loving, even when we're charitable, it's always measured. I'll give you this much, but beyond that, I need to look after myself. This is where you you see the madness of the saints. Those people who were just suddenly captured by a new reality and they didn't think about their life anymore. They didn't think about themselves. They just gave and gave to the point where many of them died very young. To the point where many of them were then social outcasts because they weren't fitting into what everyone else wanted them to be. But they were compelled to just give. We need to encounter that reality. That is faith. That is the faith that James is talking about. If you have faith in the resurrection... You will spend your life for the sake of others. You will spend your life for the sake of God. Everything changes. Now, how do we get to that place? Because once again, this is not just about knowledge. You can't get to that place by reading a book. You cannot get to that place by doing a PhD of theology. What brings that reality is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit 
living and active in our life which compels us of the resurrection. And St. Paul says this. He says the Holy Spirit gives us a foretaste of eternity. He's basically saying the Holy Spirit is like the deposit on your eternal life. This is God saying, there's the down payment. You can now live your life in the confidence that the rest is coming. Because of what you've experienced in the Holy Spirit, you can now sell everything and not count the cost. You can love until it hurts because you know that there will be no more hurt. We have to encounter the resurrection. We have to encounter that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now I think this is the key thing. If you you start to understand what the Holy Spirit actually is, excuse me for being slightly theological here, but the basic way the saints explain this and the great theologians is that in the life of the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, you basically have this infinite love between the Father and the Son, between God the Father and Jesus. There is just this infinite, mind-blowing, overflowing love and that love back and forward between the Father and the Son is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the love of God. It is the love within the Trinity poured out into our hearts. It is that love which is stronger than death. It is that same love which raised Jesus from the dead, as St. Paul says in the letter to the Romans. It's that love which was able to beat the tomb. That is the grace poured into us. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit that we start to realise that there is something so much greater here. We need to counter this grace. And so the way that we come to know the power of the resurrection is simply by asking. It is simply by calling upon this free gift. And this is the gift that Jesus promised to us. He said, you know, what father among you would give you a stone when you ask for bread? Yet how much more will the father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask of you? You know, if we simply ask, he will just pour it out. He will give it. The problem is that often we don't want it. Often the biggest blockage is in here, in our own hearts. Because our lives are so wrapped up in the world, because we are so deeply afraid of missing out, because we are so caught up in human earthly loves, we're afraid of letting it go. And I dare say, because we see these crazy people, the saints, we read their lives that as much as we venerate them, we like them to keep a good distance away from us. Because we're afraid that if we really allow God to work in our lives, we might become like them. There's all these things I want to do. I want to go travel. I want to go climb mountains. I want to go and have fun and spend all my Sunday afternoons in a cafe If I allow the Holy Spirit to work in my life, I might have to find I start working amongst the poor. And I might find that I start being compelled to spend my money for other people, not on myself. It's that deep fear, or rather, that deep idolatry of earthly things which holds us back from being alive. This is what James is getting at. This is what he's talking to the church about. If we could simply allow the Spirit to work in our lives, 
the world would come to believe that Jesus is Lord. If they could see this reality in us, people would be flocking to come to the church. Go back to the 5th century, one of the great preachers, St. John Chrysostom, said this to his church where he said, do you know why the heathen refuse to believe in us? No matter how much we preach, they refuse. It's because when they look at our lives, they see us building big houses and spending money on huge gardens and all this money on opulent lifestyles and they say, you don't really believe that your life here on earth is a preparation for eternity. And thus, we betray the gospel. He understood very clearly that unless we have the courage to submit to the Holy Spirit, the world will never believe in us. Because fundamentally, we don't believe. I think this is the point we have to have the courage to say. If I am not prepared to allow the Holy Spirit to work in my life, if I am not prepared to encounter the resurrection, I do not believe in God. Despite all the religious surroundings of my life, despite coming to church, despite all the prayer, if I am not prepared to really submit myself to the truth of this, it's because I don't believe it. Or because I'm more in love with the world than I am with the risen Lord. Now that's challenging, but that's basically what the letter of James is hitting the church with. Our response has to be deep within. Yes, we live in a world that is beautiful. Yes, we have relationships that are beautiful. We have opportunities that are unbelievable. But compared to the resurrection, as St. Paul would say, it's all rubbish. It's nothing. We can only know the truth of that by asking the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us. By sincerely and honestly calling upon the grace of the Spirit to reveal to us that Christ is risen from the dead. That death is no longer the enemy because love is stronger than death. That there is no longer a fear of missing out and from now on we can start to love recklessly. We can now give everything and not count the cost. You simply have to pray for the, for the gift of the Spirit. We want to pray for it now. We want to pray for it tonight in the church. We want to pray for this as we, as we receive Christ here in the Eucharist. The grace is here if only we ask. So just now as we go from this place preparing for the Eucharist, as we're about to profess our faith in the creed, just want to encourage you just to, just to sit in silence for a moment and just pray for the grace. Pray that, that the grace of the Spirit would blow again into our lives, that the wind of the Spirit would reveal the grace of the resurrection to us.